We got a lot to talk about in this episode. Penn State versus Maryland, keys to the game. Takeaways from practice that are going to have an effect on this outcome. And Penn State's 2024 schedule was released for the entire football season. It's a jam-packed edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Penn Staters? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, and thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Get a download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions. And before we move any further, like this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, and let me know in the comments. Penn State, Maryland, who wins? Why do they win? Your final score prediction. I'm going to talk about mine in the opening segment here, but 2024 schedule got released. We're also going to talk about that in this episode. Your thoughts on that? Pretty tough schedule. I'm, I'm excited to discuss that one. I'm very eager to. But we open up with Penn State versus Maryland over the first segment and then talk about some takeaways from practice, which, which could really affect the outcome of this game. Penn State travels back to College Park, SECU Stadium, 3.30 kickoff on Fox. Not quite big noon, but Fox will carry this game. Penn State opened up as an 11.5-point favorite, total at 51. That has shifted. Now it's an 8.5-point spread in the favor of the Nittany Lions and a total of 50. I like Penn State in this one. I do. 34-24. to 24. It's not an ideal matchup for the Nittany Lions, if you can believe that. A Maryland team on a three-game losing streak just lost to Northwestern 33-27. to 27. The Terrapins do some things that are going to cause headaches for a Penn State offense. And, and I'm going to explain here, but Penn State does win 34 to 24, in, in my opinion. Penn State is the more talented team. Uh, they certainly are. Maryland's offensive line is bad. They, they haven't fixed the problems from a season ago, but they can move the football because they get creative. Josh Gaddis, former Penn State assistant coach, now the offensive coordinator, was the offensive coordinator at Michigan, went to Miami and is now at Maryland under head coach Mike Loxley. They do some creative things to get Talia Tungavaloa out of the pocket, extend some time, right? You were you're able to scheme them some things to take that pressure off of your offensive line. But the Nittany line should be able to force some turnovers. Northwestern, part of the reason they won that game last weekend was because they won the turnover battle 2 to nothing. They forced two turnovers and got one inside the red zone against the Terrapins. I think that Penn State can put pressure on Talia and grind out another victory. But here's the catch and why I think this game is going to be a little more difficult than meets the eye. Maryland's run defense is, is good. They are really good. They do not allow that many yards per play. Penn State, one of the best in the country in terms of its run defense, but Maryland's not that far behind. But here's where the Terrapins lack and where I hope that Penn State can finally spread its wings here. Maryland's pass defense is not good. They, they are, they're not the worst, like a UMass. UMass is really bad. One of, they're, wor they're bad in every category defensively. But Maryland's pass defense is definitely far from elite. They're below average. Pe the, the pass defense gives up chunk plays. But what has Penn State struggled with? Big plays in the passing attack, in the aerial attack. I will be honest. This matchup is not ideal for Penn State's offense. 
Penn State needs to get the ground game going more than anything else to take some pressure off of Drew Aller, but defenses continue to sell out to stop the run. And likewise, the formula was put on tape. Ohio State did it. And if Maryland can mimic that, it's going to be a little bit rough for the Nittany Lions, but I think this is the difference. They, Maryland doesn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. type of player. Not even close, okay? Uh, Talia Tungavaloa, a good, respectable quarterback that's not going to routinely turn the football over, but because Maryland's offensive line is definitely not comparable to something like Ohio State, that is where Penn State is going to have. And look what, I mean, Penn State's defense did perform very well against that Ohio State offense. It's just that the Nittany Lions offense couldn't bail them out in, in that game. So I, I have to say this one, I, I am giving a lot more respect to Maryland than more people would be. This is a big game for the Terrapins. Let, let's get that out there. This is their Super Bowl. This is their chance to get them back on track. Penn State's got Michigan the following week. You could call this a trap game hypothetically because Penn State understands that it can save its season. I know you got to go 1-0. This game against Maryland, Michigan does not matter next week if Penn State doesn't go 1-0 this week, right? I understand that, but you can't help but think that the Nittany Lions know what's at stake against the Wolverines, who are in the top four for the college football playoff rankings, Penn State knows it can save its season. And that's where that's what Maryland is thinking going into this game. I'm hanging my hat on Drew Aller here, that the interception just sparked something different. He finally got it out of his system. I believe that he can be now the quarterback that we know that he will be a more of a risk taker. I know that he's done a lot of checkdowns, but even just a few more big plays, even just a few more risks downfield, anything helps, right? Uh, Aller almost has to at this point because you are only going to beat Maryland if you get the big plays in the passing game, right? That is going to help you a lot. I, I don't expect to see maybe a fearless quarterback, but someone who's going to be not as risk averse. And, and I'm eager to see how Drew Aller changes over the course of a week from that interception against Indiana. Penn State's just the more talented team at the end of the day. So that's why I'm taking the Nittany Lions 34 to 24. So they don't cover that opening spread, but they do cover the new spread, the eight and a half, as the, as the Sharps have bet it down, I guess. The Sharps like ter the Terrapins for what it's worth. Now for keys to the game, I've got some for the Nittany Lions, and I've also got some for the Terrapins, right? I think it's fair to give the enemies uh, a how-to on how to beat Penn State. But for Penn State, in order to win this game, I'll start with the rushing attack. For the love of God, run the football to the outside. Maryland's run defense is very respectable, but I am tired of the in-between-the-tackle stuff. It's not working. Inside zone hasn't gotten any better. Hunter Norzad ha has made some progress. He's, he's performed better down the stretch here, but inside zone is still not working. You have Nicholas Singleton. Why are you not running to the outside? You don't even have to uh, physically create off-tackle type of plays or jet sweeps. Get creative with the football. Get Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen in space and go to the outside because some of Northwestern's best plays against Maryland's defense last week came outside the tackles. If you have to do jet sweeps, if you have to line up Singleton as a wide receiver, bring him in motion across the formation and just have Aller pitch it to him, why can't you do that? Why can't we see more 21 or 22 personnel where Singleton and Allen are in the backfield at the same time? I really, I, I'm scratching my head at this, why we haven't seen these formations to get a little creative. Maryland's defense, run defense is good. You have to get creative 
go outside of the tackle. It's not worth running in between the tackles, uh, especially if Caden Wallace is not 100%. Uh, he's been a big part of why the offensive line has been what it, ha what it has achieved successfully this season. Second key for victory, pick up the blitz. That's why Maryland gives up a lot of chunk plays in its past because they are aggressive. They got an attacking style defense. I won't go as far to say that it mimics Manny Diaz, but it, it, it's not far from it. I would say it's a shell of it. And this is my biggest key, to be honest. Maryland runs that attacking style of defense, as I've said already, but if you can get the receivers that additional time to get open because there's going to be some single coverage on the back end, the offensive line will need to hold up. Drew Shelton had the lowest grade. According to Pro Football Focus last week against Indiana, is he going to be better suited if he's going to see an increased snap count with Wallace out? Wallace's best performances have been in pass protection. The offensive line for Penn State, pass pro has been really good. It's been better than run blocking. But if Drew Aller, we've seen Drew Aller and how he can get happy feet, he can get uncomfortable in the pocket when there's pressure in his face and Maryland is going to try and bring it but it also opens up the opportunities for big plays. This can dictate the flow of the game if Maryland wins this battle and not Penn State. The third one, and this is going to be now on the defensive side, don't bite on the play action. Maryland's best plays on offense come from play action. And now I, you look at the stats, the Terrapins do actually throw the ball more, even though they are typically have been under Loxley a run first team. If this is a switch from Josh Gaddis in the offensive, as the offensive coordinator, I, I kind of understand it. But Maryland likes to run the football because they have the assets to do it. They got Roman Hemby. They got Antoine Littleton II. And they got Colby McDonald. They have three capable running backs here. And don't forget that Talia Tungavaloa can move. He's not exactly a mobile quarterback, but he can use his legs if he really wants to. But that play action has gotten defenses to bite. So any success that Maryland has seen, the play action, it just, just stay disciplined. For Penn State's defense, and they're and they're relatively good at that. Now, I wouldn't say that against Indiana. That's why I said relatively. But for the most part, this season, Penn State's defense has stayed disciplined. It's there on tape. They know it's coming. Just don't just don't get caught looking in the backfield because that is when Maryland can get their chunk plays. Final key for Penn State, and it is a little more. It, it's another obvious one. Keep Talia in the pocket. Tungavaloa is going to try to extend plays with his legs, not necessarily tucking it and running it, but just be outside of the pocket, allow plays to develop, roll out and move work towards the sideline, allow the receivers to get open. He gets flustered in the pocket. He does. That showed against Northwestern. That's shown against Illinois, Ohio State. Mechanics break down. Decision-making breaks down. And that's the case. Not a lot of quarterbacks throw very well under pressure. And Talia Tungavaloa, is certainly one of them. Don't forget he's still a little brother, by the way, if that name does sound familiar for some people. But uh, get, get pressure on Talia. Get him flustered within the pocket. He actually seems to be a little more comfortable outside of the pocket when the play is flowing one way to the right or the left. It doesn't matter. Keys for Maryland, if they're going to make this one interesting and uh, with the same goal in mind, right? They're trying to beat Penn State. But keys for a Maryland win. Watch out for Dante Cephas. I know Cephas hasn't had a big game to this point, but now the opportunities are going to open up a little more. I don't expect Trey Wallace to play in this game. Franklin said that he's not out for the season, but that can mean anything. That could be one game. That could be all the way to the bowl game. I, I am not expecting Wallace to be out there, but Dante Cephas, if Maryland's pass defense 
is a liability for the Terrapins, and they give up big plays. The big play home run threat is not Keandre Lambert-Smith, even though he has the only few big plays for Maryland's or for Penn State's offense, pardon me. But Cephas can stretch. He's the speedster on this team at this point. Cephas can go over the top. That's his best attribute. He did it at Kent State. I think this is the game where he breaks out, especially if the Terrapins defense doesn't try to game plan for him. Maryland secondary gives it up. So we'll see what they try to do to counter it. Uh, if you're Maryland, you want to establish the ground game. You don't want to you want to give your defense a break because Penn State and Franklin has admitted this. Their identity is to try to grind out your defense and just wear you down. Uh, Terrapins need to give their defense time on the sideline. Penn State, that, that's just the name of the game. That's just the MO for this team. And another obvious one, third and final one that I have for Maryland. Don't turn the ball over. It, it's it's painfully obvious, but if Penn State can build a lead, this also plays into their hands because then they get to grind you down. Uh, they will just try to sit on the rock and burn, burn clock, get in and get out. That's really how Penn State sees this game. A win is a win. And James Franklin said, I'm not apologizing for winning. A one-point win, a 100-point win, it's all the same, especially in this case. And I know Penn State's been accused of running up the score, but when you have bigger aspirations against Michigan, a one-point win against Maryland is just as good as a 10-point, 20-point, whatever. Uh, you're not going to get your 66-3 to type of game in, in this case, just not this time around. There are some things to note from practice. I've already mentioned it, Trey Wallace. But what else did we see at practice in person on Wednesday that's going to have an effect on this Penn State-Maryland game? We'll discuss in just a moment. Let's hear from one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. Some of the great things about the game time app experience. The first one's the flash deals. You're already getting last minute tickets. How about discounts on those last minute tickets? Then it's easy to find and buy tickets in your area for any kind of event. Plus, you get image views of where you're going to be sitting. So there's no second guessing. You know what the view is going to be like and where you're going to be sitting before you buy your tickets, before you get to the venue. Lowest price guaranteed. Also, event cancellation protection included. Game time is the place to get those last second deals for everything. Football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And the Locked On Podcast Network amps up college football coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Every Friday, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time across all the Locked On College YouTube channels. So you can watch the show live. And then when it's finished, you can listen to it back wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to talk about all the latest with the college football playoff rankings, the biggest news in college football, previewing the big conference rivalries, Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, 11 a.m. Eastern time every Friday. Takeaways from Wednesday's practice, but this is important to go along with the preview here because what we noticed at practice as media members, it's going to have an effect on because of the player's availability. So Trey Wallace is the first one, and then we'll talk about some Chop Robinson and, and, and everything else that goes along with it. Trey Wallace was, was not seen at practice. He wore the arm sling and did not return to the game against the Indiana Hoosiers, but 
if Wallace is out and James Franklin has said that Penn State's pass game, and th- this is kind of contradicting, right? The coach has said that the passing game is underwhelming, it's struggling, and, and they're far behind. But then James Franklin says in his Tuesday press conference that the light is going to come on for the wide receivers here. So what does that mean? Dante Cephas could have a big game here. I mean, Dante Cephas is one of the first players going up in drills, right? So opportunities when one door shuts in the case of Trey Wallace here not being available, another door can open. And that's why I think this can be the game where Dante Cephas actually makes an impact here. It's about time. I've been saying it now for almost two weeks. Earlier in the season, he was taking reps with the threes and the fours. That's just the way the rotation was. There isn't an organized line. Penn State's not in first grade where you have a line leader and everything else. But there is, you can see that Keandre Lambert-Smith is typically going to go first. But then after that, it's going to be Malik McLean, Liam Clifford, Caden Saunders, and any sort of the the ones go first, the twos go second, the threes go third, the fours go fourth, right? That makes sense. So in no particular order, Dante Cephas and Keandre Lambert-Smith were one of the first guys up with every passing drill for what it's worth. Wallace being out, I see more opportunities for a guy like Cephas. Now over to the defensive side. Chop Robinson could not be seen at practice either. I I am imagining that Wallace will not be available, and neither will Chop Robinson. And that stinks because that's his former team. He gets the chance to make big plays again. Penn State shut out Maryland last year. Remember that. But Chop Robinson, I mean, that's a serious injury. I'm not a doctor. I want to remind people that. But everyone saw it on TV. It looked like a head or neck injury. That's very serious. You really can't rush anybody back from that. I can't say it's a concussion because it might be might be a neck strain, right? But it is an, an upper body injury. We don't know how significant. But Robinson has not been seen at practice for the past two weeks when we've gone for that 10 to 15 minute stretch in the middle of the week. And it's just a shame because I'd like to see him play and go and go play at Maryland Stadium. He did it in Beaver Stadium last year. This is essentially a little bit of a homecoming for him. He's not going to get that opportunity. But good news for Penn State, especially because Maryland does like to run the football, or at least they have the talent to do it. I mean, Vanover was spotted at practice, and that is a huge boost because Penn State's run defense wasn't spectacular against the Indiana Hoosiers. I will say the pass defense had a little more things that had some more things to work on than the run defense. But I mean, Vanover is that edge setter. He's the defensive end that's not necessarily going to rush the passer, but he does reset the line of scrimmage defensively. If he's back, even if he's not 100%, that does help Penn State's run defense uh, and, and I think will play a key role in this contest if he's going to see a higher snap count. Back to the offense. Khalil Dinkins, Andrew Rapley, a more of role guys, but they can play a bigger role when you think about it. I know that Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are the main tight ends, Khalil Dinkins caught a touchdown pass last week from Drew Aller. Why I bring this up, Khalil Dinkins played one snap against Ohio State. Andrew Raplia has been inactive against Ohio State and then against Indiana. But we've seen Mike Yurcich's decision-making, his play calling changes when Dinkins and Raplia are not available. When Dinkins wasn't on the field against Ohio State, do you notice a certain play that was missing from the playbook against the Buckeyes? It was the T formation. Mike Yurcich has shown that he would rather not call one of his bread and butter plays, one of the more successful short yardage plays, than throw Jerry Cross out there because Andrew Rapley has taken reps in the T formation in a live game. Khalil Dinkins is obviously that third tight end. 
they will not call T formation plays if one of those guys, both of those guys, are not available. So Jenkins being at practice, Andrew Rapley went through warmups against Indiana, but was inactive. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on here. Maybe he has the yellow light because he has played in a game. So Dinkins, Raflia, one of them's got to be available to go along with Theo Tyler, but that also speaks volumes about the availability of them. Fortunately, Warren and Johnson have been very healthy to this point. Wooden desk, knock on wood. So I'm not trying to jinx anything, but Penn State is reluctant to run that T formation without having Johnson, Warren, Dinkins, and or Raflia available. So Dinkins and Raflia taking normal reps at practice on Wednesday is a very good sign. And I am anticipating some T formation against Maryland. It'll be good. They ran some, obviously, against Indiana. But in the biggest game of the season against Ohio State, and you don't break it out. That's, that's just really interesting. Penn State would rather not call one of its best plays than put Jerry Cross out there. And that's, that's a whole different discussion here. But Dinkins and Raplia were at practice. So more T formation is the ultimate takeaway here. We got a 2024 schedule to talk about, too. I'm not going to make any bold predictions here, but I got a few takeaways about what Penn State's up against in one year from now with the expanded Big Ten Conference. Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, it changes everything. The, the days of assuming you're going to go 12-0, and 11-1, it's over for everybody. It really is. Let's discuss that in the upcoming segment. I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. That's all it is. Instead of battling thousands of other players, the sharks, the pros, that can that can get a little be a little bit of a struggle. But all you got to do is pick more than or less than two to six player stack projections and watch those winnings roll in. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250, $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, that easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And with Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries will stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games, college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player that exits in the first half and does not return for the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only, the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. How about that? So now what do you got to do? Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And another one of our great sponsors in this episode is Team Ticker. The, uh, the viewers, the YouTube watchers can see this sign in my studio I'm going to do a great job here talking about it for the audio listeners, but that is a team ticker sign, a one-of-a-kind sign for Nittany Lion fans like you. Whether it's football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, soccer, softball, team ticker has you covered. Never miss a game as the high tech retro display provides a countdown to the next big game, as well as daily updates of the latest team news, stats, schedule, standings, much more. You can see it all there on the sign. But how do they do it? How does Team Ticker do it? Well, it's a really easy setup. You got a mobile app that connects the sign to your Wi-Fi with seamless setup 
You can hang this design and have it right up and running in a matter of minutes. Each sign is officially licensed, meeting high quality standards, and it's assembled by hand in the United States. Team Ticker is the ultimate upgrade to your Nittany Lions sports collection. Once you hang it on your wall, it's going to be the talk of your fellow Penn State fans. If you're looking for that one eye-catching item to showcase your team pride, or you're looking for a gift for that special Nittany Lion fan, go to teamticker.com and pick up your Team Ticker today. Team Ticker is a one-of-a-kind sports sign. Go to teamticker.com and get yours today to get that Penn State sign that everyone's going to be envious of, teamticker.com. And in this final segment, let's look towards the future here. The 2024 schedule has been released. Penn State now knows all 12 of its regular season opponents in order, right? We knew just the location, who they were going to be facing in the Big Ten, but now the full 12-game slate is out. And this schedule's got an insane five-game stretch. That is really the thing that jumps out to you when you look at this schedule. You have UCLA. Then you're on the road in Southern Cal against the Trojans, USC. You got a bye week wedged in there, but then you're back on the road against the Wisconsin Badgers. You're at home against Ohio State, and you're at home against Washington. Those are all top 25 caliber teams at a minimum. At a minimum. Ohio State's in the college football conversation. Washington's in the college football conversation. UCLA quietly is, I honestly, I think they're a top 15 team. They got a really good defense this year under Chip Kelly of all coaches, right? The offensive mastermind. Yes, USC has taken somewhat of a step back, but you know they'll be active in the transfer portal. They've got, they've put together some really good recruiting classes. Wisconsin's got Luke Fickle. What more do I need to say? But when you look at that, even with the bye week, Penn State does not travel out to the West Coast very often, okay? Six-hour flights. This is very unusual. This is uncharted territory in the middle of a season for this kind of for this kind of game. And then yes, you get the bye, but then you got to go right back on the road to Wisconsin. That's not it's not like you're playing Maryland the next week where you can take a bus. You got to fly once again. It's it's unprecedented. And then you and then you come back from Wisconsin and then you got Ohio State. That's the mountain that you're trying to climb and yet you still can't climb it. You got Washington after that, Kalen DeBoer, I, really one of the better coaches in all of college football. I really like what Kalen DeBoer is doing with the Huskies right now. That is that is an insane five-game stretch, and it will define Penn State's entire season next year. Once again, Ohio State is not going to be the whiteout. That Ohio State game listed in that little five-game window there is at the later end of the season, on, on November 2nd. I, if I'm looking at the schedule, and this is what the schedule looks like, West Virginia, at West Virginia, August 31st, September 7th, Bowling Green, then they got an early bye, interestingly enough. Yes, you need that bye week before you take on Kent State on September 21st, at home against Illinois on September 28th, UCLA on October 25th, UCLA on October 5th, then October 12th at USC, the bye week. October 19th, October 26th at Wisconsin, November 2nd against Ohio State, and November 9th at home against Washington, on the road at Purdue, November 16th, on the road at Maryland, November 23rd, and at home to close the season against Maryland. Interestingly enough, Penn State, taking on Ohio State in, in November 2nd, and I've talked about this, the everydayers remember this, Penn State is reluctant to schedule whiteouts in the, late, in the later part of the season because weather can be very unpredictable. So which game do you pick? Well, you're not picking Illinois. I can tell you that right now. But the week after, October 5th, 
UCLA seems like the perfect opponent to welcome with a whiteout. The Bruins, Chip Kelly, well, that is going to be, that is going to be quite a rude awakening. Chip Kelly's going to lose his mind uh, in a whiteout, but this one makes the most sense. Perfect fall temperatures, middle of the season, game after Illinois there, your second Big Ten conference game. You got back-to-back home Big Ten conference games. How about that? I know that Fox Big Noon kick is salivating at taking another Penn State-Ohio State game. And this was supposed to be USC on the original schedule, and then Washington and Oregon messed it all up because they joined the party a little later. But Ohio State, once again, will not be the whiteout opponent. It's probably going to be UCLA, given the way the schedule has been laid out. Another takeaway here. Congratulations, and I've already mentioned it. Penn State's uh, opening Big Ten play at home. Eight-year streak. Comes to a close, right? Penn State, it feels like never starts the Big Ten schedule at home. Now they do. And once in the past 14 years, it's it's bad. I don't know what, what vendetta the Big Ten Conference has against the Nittany Lions, but Pat Kraft steps in. He made it one of his clear-cut goals that he's going to march into that conference offense office and say, you are having Penn State open up Big Ten play at home. Not only did the Big Ten listen, but they had it back-to-back. Not only are they not starting on the road, they have back-to-back home games to open up conference play against Illinois and UCLA. And I'll I'll finish with this. This is the toughest schedule, at least in recent memory. I know Penn State played a lot of ranked opponents in the 80s, and college football, the landscape was a lot different here. But in recent memory, Penn State no longer are the days where Ohio State and Michigan define your season. You got to go through UCLA, USC, Washington in the future, eventually it's going to be Oregon, Michigan, right? Michigan and Oregon, not on this schedule, but your schedules can get really crazy here. And with that being said, gone are the days of just assuming that you can go 12 and 0, 11 and 1. That, that is a phenomenal season. That is going to be the outlier now, not the expectation, or in Penn State's case, 10 and 2, right? Uh, if things really do go south, this team, as talented as they would be, could finish Six and six, that, that's a bad scenario. And I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to do that. But this schedule is unforgiving. I feel really good about maybe six games on this schedule. I, I do. Obviously, the non-conference games, you, you assume that at West Virginia is a win. Kent State, Bowling Green, Illinois. But UCLA is not going to be a walk in the park. That's not an easy one, even if it is in Beaver Stadium in a whiteout. That's a toss-up. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Washington. Yes, you get an easier at the, you got to go on the road. You go on the road to Purdue. You go on the road to Minnesota. These are not easy games by any stretch of the imagination. And so much can happen between now uh, and, and then with the portal. I can't even begin to predict what this 2024 team is going to do. I would like to think that they're going to be better. I really You have Allard, you have Singleton, you have Allen, as I mentioned, but also you could have all three of your starting wide receivers back. DeAndre Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace, Dante Cephas, all those guys have eligibility and can be hypothetically back. Theo Johnson's going into the NFL draft, Olu Fashionu, Caden Wallace, Hunter Norzed, those guys, their eligibility is up. But Sal Wormley can be back. J.B. Nelson, you have all those talented former top four-star, five-star offensive linemen that are going to cycle in. How far are they going to be along in their progress with player development? Really, the question mark is the defense. Because that, you don't know what's going to happen. Does Manny Diaz take a head coaching job? 
or does he come back because the right spot doesn't open up for him? He's not going to settle. He's not going to leave Happy Valley just to take a head coaching job. It's going to be the right, it's got to be the right one. Maybe one opens in the SEC. I'm looking at South Carolina if Manny Diaz were to leave. But then you got to think about Chop Robinson going into the NFL. Adisa Isaacs at the end of his Penn State career. Kalen King. Johnny Dixon has played his way into a higher draft pick. I don't know that he sticks around. Curtis Jacobs, Devon Ellis, Hakeem Beeman, Daquan Hardy. All of those guys could hypothetically leave. I imagine that it, for a guarantee, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Kalen King, Curtis Jacobs are the ones that you circle and say they're going to the NFL. They've earned it uh, or their, their time is up. But Johnny Dixon could come back. He may, he might not. Okay, Daquan Hardy could come back. He may, he might not. Right? These guys have played college football for a long time. They might just be at the point where they say, we're, we're done. We're going to go and, and try our hand at the pros. So the defense is the question mark. There is a lot of stability returning for the offense. But again, the transfer portal, you can move, mix and match wherever now in college football. It's free agency, and it's completely unchecked. So Penn State, anything can happen, and this roster can, can fill a lot of spots in the portal if needed. So 2024 is going to be very tough to predict. I just know that that schedule is one of the toughest in recent memory, and, and it's going to be very difficult. Penn State going 10-2 and two is now going to be the elite thing to do. And don't forget about that 12-team expanded college football playoff as well. So if Penn State does go 10-2, and two, they could be inside the top eight and be hosting a playoff. Oh, that's going to be nice. Hosting a playoff game in Beaver Stadium. Mar, I'm already, th I'm already excited for 2024, uh, as you can tell, and I hope you are too. Let me know in the comments your score prediction for Penn State, Maryland, your thoughts on the 2024 schedule. If you haven't already liked this episode, become an everydayer, subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lines on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. We're going to have more Penn State content rolling in. Penn State men's basketball tips off its season in just a matter of days. Still going to talk a lot of football, men's basketball, and so much more here on Locked on Nittany Lions.